DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Puka Nakua, new BYU transfer wide receiver from the University of Washington, scheduled to join us here in this segment. Talking a little college football this morning as the transfer window. <laughs> what does it do, PK? It uh, giveth and it taketh? Yeah, I think, I think we're just going to ride that thing into the ground. <laughs> we are just going to ride that quote. That is the quote. And that's just how things work, and it's really different than how things worked five years ago, which is different than how things worked ten years ago. And I'm expecting this to just accelerate and in another five years. You know, here's the one quote that Kyle said. And you know, you say something, and it's true at the time, but how long is it true for? Remember when he told us and everybody who would listen that the February signing day, which had been a huge thing, was going to be surpassed pretty quickly by the December signing day. It, it was, that was the way the trend was going to go, and it was going to go quickly. And he was right, but it seems like the transfer window is going to end up trumping that signing window. If you're getting your starting quarterback and your starting running back out of the transfer window, and this is a relatively new trend, I mean, where, where's this thing going? Well, I don't know if that's going to be consistent, though. That's a time-to-time thing, I think. <clears throat> and Hope so. Recruiting is going to be a yearly thing, and getting the best players out of high school is always going to be the foundation, I believe. Now, you're going to augment that based on circumstances. So, if, say for the Utes, they've gotten, what, uh, three, four quarterbacks that have been transfers the last couple years? Mm -hmm. Well, is that not exclusively, but largely because Tuttle didn't pan out? Well, that's not a bad argument to make. I mean, if Tuttle pans out... You're probably still getting guys that are looking for a chance to play, uh, but right, certainly. I can't rule it out. But I can look at individual guys that they've gotten, and I mean, if, if you're all that at Baylor and Tuttle's the starting quarterback, you're not coming here. You're going somewhere where there's a vacancy because someone didn't pan out, or someone's injured, or they went all in on a guy and then he just didn't sign. You know, or uh, he was a senior and he left. Right. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I, I would scale it back. Do I think they probably would have gotten? I mean, over the years, they've gotten guys who've come in to be backup quarterbacks. Well, um, it's also timing, too. Sure. Yes. If, if, Absolutely. Uh, if, if Tuttle had panned out, he would be a junior this year and say he was all that. You would think, all right, he's probably going to go to the NFL. Where And so if I'm Cam Rising and say I'm coming out this year, this year I'm looking to transfer this year. Well, I go there, learn the system for a year, and then I got a legitimate shot. So that's I think that's circumstantial. And to a degree with the high school kids, it's also circumstantial. I mean, uh, uh, Jalen Johnson comes here for Utah because he knows they lost all their DBs. Clark Phillips decommits from Ohio State, knows they lost all their DBs. And not just lost all their DBs, lost all their DBs to the NFL. So they know what they're doing as far as uh, Morgan and Sharif Shaw and Kyle. They know what an NFL DB looks like. Absolutely. If they only know one thing for football, it's what an NFL DB looks like because they've put so many of them in there. So you get this kid who's going to come to Utah. Johnson's going to come to Utah because of the opportunity. Clark Phillips is going to come to the opportunity. So it's not like high school recruiting isn't somewhat uh, circumstantial too. 
to whatever the particular circumstances are. You know, I mean, that's why the Devils get Jaden Daniels, right? Because the quarterback job was wide open. He knew yeah. full well, all I got to do is beat out this one dude, and I'm going to play for three years, maybe four years, depending on how, you know if he's good enough to go to the NFL or not. So that factors in, too. So I think it's all in together. But the point is that the transfer portal is vital. It is a vital aspect of recruiting. And you would be a fool and negligent not to be all in on that. And, and Mark Pope has talked about how his assistants look at that thing every single day. Yep. It's the only, it's the only way to get guys. you got to get out in front, so you got to keep, keep checking it. That is recruiting now. And we spoke to Larry Kostobiak yesterday, and I asked him about the challenges of re-recruiting. And you have to do that, too. So the time of you getting somebody – I remember one time I'm talking to Donnie Daniels. And and I've actually I've known him for a long time, and the word was out that they were really in on Andre Miller, right? So I'm talking to him before he is uh, Andre's getting ready to he's ma- hasn't made his commitment yet, and I told Donnie I said, hey, let me know because they they would be good about hey you need to call this kid, and that meant the kid committed, right? And, and BYU and Utah had done that. They had established a relationship with the guys. And he said to me, he said, oh, you won't have to call me. I said, I said excuse me, I won't have to call you. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, because if Andre Miller commits to us, you will hear a loud scream <laughs> resonate throughout the whole Salt Lake Valley. <laughs> and that will mean we got Andre Miller. Well, the point I'm making is once you got Andre Miller, Andre Miller was locked into your program for four years. That's not the way it is anymore. Nobody really is locked in for four years. You don't, You just don't know. So you have to re-recruit your recruits. So recruiting, in some respects, it's easier now, but it's also never been harder because you got to recruit your own guys that you already have in your program to make sure everything is kosher with them and they want to stay. It's a crazy world. But nevertheless, it's the reality of the world, and you have to be all over it and make sure you know what you're doing there. It's much as we hate the word culture because it gets overused. It's an easy cliche to throw out there. It's an easy thing to say, especially when you're new. I think when you're established, it's crucial. And I think Randy Ray kind of touched on that uh, an hour ago. And it's, it's, uh, his point was it's really accentuated. You really have to underline it this year uh, because – Guys can't be going to class on campus, can't be walking across campus. They're not friends with athletes in other sports, or they're not meeting people who aren't athletes and that because they're just they're they're in a little mini bubble. They're out of the dorms where they might meet other kids, they interact with them, they are in an apartment. And we know in these football facilities, these guys spend a lot of time there. The treatments, the weightlifting, the film sessions, both as a group and then individual little extra work yourself, plus obviously the practices. Uh, you know, if you don't have that culture and guys don't get along and they just wear each other out, uh, guys aren't going to want to be there. And guys are going to be into the transfer portal yeah, well, in a they heartbeat. Should, they should spend a lot of time there because they're basically five-star hotels without <laughs> the beds. They're pretty high end. They're pretty nice. I mean, they've, they've <laughs> built these things uh, several million dollars and hundreds of millions of dollars in some cases. So that's where you're supposed to be for your time as a, uh, a college football, whatever it is, a college football athlete, whatever, you know, basketball. And I mean, they all got them now. Everybody's got them. 
They're a dime a dozen, except they don't cost a dime. (laughs) (laughs) Dime a dozen. (laughs) They're they're ten million a dozen. It's not a dime. No, I mean literally every program has them, and they've got football. They've got multiples. Well, Scotty G told the story of going into the Texas Tech uh, when he was down there for basketball, and obviously knows Matt Wells. And, uh, and he was like, this is really nice. And Matt's like, actually, they're planning a new one. <laughs> got it. It's no secret. It's on the drawing boards. It's happening. Yeah, and they have them at some of the, the, the high schools in the Canyons District. They're remodeling a lot of the uh, high schools. They're building, basically, they're building a new campus on the campus. They're just rearranging stuff. And uh, the, the high schools around here, and I've been to a couple of them. Wow. If uh, I have not been, you, you apparently have gotten a tour, and you know you you know a teacher in the district pretty well, so you have access. But just driving past Hillcrest and Brighton, the construction yeah. is obvious, and I just know from driving down the street and looking over, like everybody else. Well, yeah, I got a, a child that goes to to Brighton, and uh, they've got a field house, and it's beautiful. It, it absolutely is just amazing what the, these facilities are available now to these kids. And great. I'm all for it, man. Bro, you know, at the high school level, get as many kids as involved as you can. And it's all about playing the odds, you know, to raise good kids and all that stuff. And all of us benefit. And so if they, you know, there's all sorts of statistics and research. If a kid is involved in this group or that group or this group, mm-hmm. they're going to be involved in a group. Right. No doubt about it. Just so that group, group, what kind of mentoring, yeah. what kind of older yeah. kids are they, uh, what kind of uh, – Adults are they? What are their goals? How they exactly. been, how they've been educated? What kind of things are they saying and putting into kids' minds? Yes. You so know, and it's, and it's all over the, the map. Better. It's not it's not this binary good bad thing. It's all over the map. Yeah, yeah. and there are tremendous uh, facilities, and I've been to multiple now with uh, kids and a. You know, my, my my old lady's a teacher. Yesterday was Women's Day, National Women's Day. Let me tell you, man. I told her, I said, you could decide what we're eating tonight. How about that? You do this just because you're bored, don't you? <laughs> do what? Uh, elevate don't, and promote don't. and respect and recognize women? Yes, I do. Guilty as charged. Okay. <laughs> In case you're wondering, uh, Puka Nakua has not answered his phone right now. So if you know Puka and you get a reaction out of him, get him to answer his phone, then we'll pop him on the air. Yak's a little frustrated right now. It'll be okay, Yak. We've had this problem before. It'll work out. I don't know, but I just talked to him last night. And I know. He told me exactly what time he wanted to do it. So, All right. Well, keep calling. I will. Keep calling. Because I'd love to hear from him. He's I'll got a great personality like his brother, and he's got great talent. And this is a significant addition or additions to a BYU's program. It's you, important. And you know, you know what? It's symbolic, too, because and – and I think BYU coaches have talked about this for a while there – it just wasn't cool to be a BYU football player, and it wasn't cool to go to BYU football. And Kalani needs to bring that back, uh, especially here among our kids in the community who are probably going to have to one degree or another at least a mild, if not a strong, interest in the program uh, for religious reasons or other reasons too. And uh, you, you can get – you can't ju- it just can't be for religious reasons because you can get that anywhere uh, to an extent – 
and it needs to be cool to, to, yeah, play for BYU football. And Utah clearly has surpassed that. It's cool to be a Utah football player, Pac-12, blah, 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 and all that stuff. And the cool factor has to be restored to BYU football. And it's got to be a place where you want to go because they need you and you need them and you're going to have a great experience. And I think having a, I think it's symbolic to have two P5 players at P5 schools want to come to BYU. I think that, I think that the message that that sends is, is powerful. And it can help. That's why it was a genius move by Tom Homo and the administration to to forge ahead with as many games as possible this past season. And I don't necessarily give a crap the level of competition. It's the opportunity. And we just had Randy Ray, and he must have spoke about being grateful just to play the game probably (laughs) ten times. Right. Well, he had that stretch where they just couldn't seem to get on the court. And so when you've had it taken away, we we always talk about when you have something taken away from you, you value and savor it even more. And he was, you know, probably grateful, I don't know, three years ago. Uh, But it's just, it's heightened uh, after everything they went through the last three months. Uh, I think as far as making BYU cool, I think there's several, not a couple, PK, not a couple things. I think there's several things coming together that are making it cooler. And everything's always in flux. So who's to say there aren't several things that will, uh, will wreck that burgeoning image in the next few months? Or maybe several things that will enhance it. You know, there's constantly new information. But I think there, the program generated a little momentum um, because they, they kind of got their own guys and got into their own thing. You know, a couple of years ago, they beat Tennessee and then they beat USC. And you can say what it, and then they beat Boise State when the, when the Broncos only had one loss. And there were other losses that diminished those, right? And they, they messed up the games at Toledo and Hawaii and South Florida and that. But it was still like, hey, we can win big games. Now we've got to be more consistent. Now they're more consistent the next year. Obviously the schedule wasn't as tough. They didn't have USC on it, you know, blah, blah, blah. But boy, they really took it to Boise State. Now they're sending guys to the NFL. So whether you want to be a highly ranked team, whether you want to be in the NFL, whether you want to beat USC on ABC at 1.30 in the afternoon, you know, now the coaching staff can recruit and say, you want that? Well, we did it right here. You want it? We did it right here. Now, if you're a Uter and Aggie fan, you're going to say, yeah, we'll do it all at once. These are all kind of one-offs and you have your moments, but can you really do it? You know, this season with a new quarterback probably isn't the best time to try and do it, but man, they're opening with three Pac-12 schools if you do it now. And the thing is, you, you look forward in the, in the coming seasons, th- those games are now always there. The early days of independence, those schedules are a thing of the past. So if they can put it all together, and it may be, what I was talking about with, with Utah and with Winningham, there's clearly three-year cycles. And maybe BYU is going into another cycle and has to build up to it. But at least they've got a track record, and the coaches couldn't go out and say, we can do this. Whatever this is, put a guy in the NFL, win these big games, win big intersectional games, have the crowd storm the field at home, uh, be nationally ranked. Now they can say they can do it. So that cool factor you're talking about, it's building. It's an individual thing. You always talk about, uh, you know, you can say whatever you want, but you can't control how it's received. You know, you're trying to get a message out there, but what message do people really absorb? But the more they have these moments and the more they have these experiences, you got a better idea what some 17-year-old will be absorbing. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, success on the field goes a long way. Clearly. You can be as cool as you want, but you, you got to be able to back it up, and you got to have a track record. And what are they sending six guys to the NFL Combine this year? That that's great. And if NFL, uh, you got to talk about the NFL. You got to embrace the NFL because that's what kids want. Kids want to play in the NFL. Obviously, they want to. Uh, there's very few of them. Uh, even if they know that they don't have a chance, at least let it, let them dream about it. And there's a lot of kids who think they do have a chance, man, and they think it's it's going to work out. Now the dreams fall hard, and it becomes uh, very difficult, especially when you've been told how great you are, particularly at the quarterback position, and it doesn't work out as far as the NFL goes, which most of the time it won't work out, actually. You know, this is uh, going to be BYU's first NFL quarterback. Max Hall got a little bit of a taste, and then John Beck, but there is nobody in between, I don't believe, unless I'm missing somebody. So the reality is it's not going to be an NFL situation for you. But when you're all this, I'm sure Conover's thinking NFL. I mean, he was top dog in Arizona. Why wouldn't he think about NFL? Uh, and you got to show that these guys can have this opportunity to get there. So you need to embrace that from a recruiting standpoint. That should be the goal. I mean, Calipari talks about that all the time. That he, In fact, he talks about that to the point of uh, it's not even really about winning games in college. It's about getting these guys to the NBA because that's their goal, and he does that very well. They're sucking this year, obviously, but – Overall, he's done that extremely well. There's so many Kentucky dudes in the NFL, and that just feeds off of itself. So if Nakua can come here, uh, speaking of Puka, and have a couple of really good seasons and then go on to the NFL, that's a big-time bonus. Look what we did for him because, you know, he wasn't getting the ball a whole lot, really hasn't rocked. And we just had Yogi Roth on uh, last week talking about, well, if if Puka could – develop like he was expected and intended that would be a huge plus for Washington well it it turns out it's not going to be at Washington but he still has the opportunity to develop as expected now BYU can benefit from that and then they can use that in recruiting and be able to to hopefully for them and their sake continue to cash in on it that's what it's all about recruiting is such a constant non-stop sales job all right, we're going to take a break right now. Yak will continue to call Puka, and maybe something held him up for a few minutes, but he's not answering right now. If we can get him on in the next segment, we'll do it. If not, Yak will spend the rest of the day trying to reschedule him for tomorrow. <laughs> the life of a radio producer, huh, Yak? Good times, good times. All right, well, hopefully we'll track Puka down and get him next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. You know, this spring has been so exciting, like my first time in competition with the other quarterbacks. And it's just been so excited to be to be finally into it. You know, last year I was getting home from my mission, working on the scout team, and that was a blast. I'm, I enjoyed every moment. 
but now it's now it's time to shine and just rock and roll. That's BYU quarterback Jacob Conover right there. A battle for the BYU starting quarterback job with Zach Wilson off to the NFL, possibly, probably, as the number two pick to the Jets. But what's going to happen at BYU? Who's going to win the job? And then PK, I think also we got to look at who finishes second because we know that the, a lot of teams like to split the snaps 70-30, 80-20 with a backup, but the third stringer doesn't get much. And when you're number two, we know injuries are a big part of football, so who's second string could matter a lot because, as we found out at the U just, just a few months ago, hey, you can be number two and one quarter into the season, you can be the guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? <laughs> I don't I, what what's ahead. Uh, really, third team for that matter. I mean, you have to go into it with the idea of that, first of all, right now, that you're competing all out to win a job. And then if you don't win it, it's a blow. But it's, it's not really a fatal blow by any stretch uh, because you just don't know what's going to happen. Hall has had multiple concussions. Romney... Uh, well, Romney was third string two years ago and got to play, he right? A, didn't he have a foot injury, Romney? Did he have a foot injury? Something, something. Yock saying hamstring. Okay. I knew it was some type of uh, involved running and whatnot. So, yeah, those things can happen. And the pressure to win is great, too, especially for BYU right out of the chute, you know, because of their scheduling. This is a massive season for the Cougars. Uh, because you look at them with the with the big time season yep. last year, and now they're going to have five Pac-12 schools, and that that's a significant chunk. That's a great schedule in terms of interest for the fans because uh, they like Pac-12 opponents. We all do. There's there's some there's an identifiable uh, attraction to them, and so many of the kids are from the West, and you know that's where we as uh, we look. Yeah, it doesn't matter that BYU or Utah is in the conference. Now that they're in the conference, it adds to it. But even if they weren't, it was oh, it's always been that way. Play a Pac-12 school, and you're playing five of them this season. That's a huge chunk. That's basically a divisional schedule, right? Everybody plays five divisional games, and then you have the crossover games. And they're they're the playing, con- and we're more familiar with the South and the North because Utah plays those teams all the time, and they're playing four of the six schools in the South. They, they do have Washington State from the North, but that's awesome. Yeah, Utah and USC, and both Arizona schools. They're missing UCLA and uh, Colorado. Yeah, that's great. And so you have an opportunity to really back up because if you come out of that uh, four and one say i don't know that you can but i'm just throwing that out there that really backs up what you did last year i mean you got yogi roth saying there's no way the pac-12 he said there's no way we can go two and three against byu that was a quote i thought it was striving for relevance i thought it was a great quote because there's so many games there's so many stories there's so many conferences that uh, both regionally and nationally. You know, when you're local, you can really bore in on something and really dive deep into it. But it's going, they're going to be looking for easy handles, um, you know, quick reference points for how a league is doing. And Yogi is right. I think he's, because he's worked, there, because he's been in football and he's been in media and he's seen it from both sides, if someone's looking to downgrade the Pac-12 and they're looking for an easy hook, if they're to you know his three and two or your four and one there, if that's what BYU does, 
flash forward a few months when someone's talking about the top team in a, in a playoff, even if the top team is one that's not on BYU's schedule. You know, Oregon and Washington aren't on the schedule. Stanford isn't. UCLA. And these teams blow up, it'll be like, yeah, but that league's not that good. And now they're going to look for reference points. And if they can say BYU went 3-2 and two or 4-1 and one against the league, or, or go ahead, Cougar fans, say 5-0 and oh if you want. If they can say any of those things, they will all be used to define the Pac-12. He's 100% right about that. Would BYU take 1-4 and four if that one was against Utah? <laughs> Uh, I, I think at least six, half of the fan base. I think I think I was I was saying it's going to be sixty or seventy percent. That's say, a heck of a poll question for tomorrow, PK. We might need to bust it's out a, a poll 50 question. Sixty percent. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> the ending that youth streak. You know, they're not at the point where they're going to say, "Hey, we'll go one and eleven as long as the one is Utah." There's been too much winning, not just last year, but the last couple of years. Um, and the thing is that the Utes are good enough that if you beat the and we don't know exactly how good they are, but they've been good enough for long enough now that if you beat the Utes, you're going to beat a lot of teams on your schedule because you're going to yeah, have to probably be won't good. happen. I agree. Right. You know they're not going to be. Uh, I mean they've got Idaho State obviously and Georgia Southern at the end of the year, um, but I mean if you beat the Utes, I gotta believe you're going to be a, you're going to have a winning record. You know, and you might be really setting yourself up for nine and three. Which, if they could back up last year with a nine and three with this schedule, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just, oh, yeah, yeah, because they, they got a little momentum from two years ago. They got a lot of momentum from last year. Do you back it up again? It, it's, it's the question. The question. Well, I don't think that uh, nine and three season is a bad season in, under most circumstances. You know, maybe for SC or whatnot. But if Utah goes nine and three this season, that means. Uh, most likely three and zero, six and three. That's pretty good for me. I, I think that's a good season. It may not get you what you're looking for, ultimately, but it's not. It's not bad. I, and actually, I think it's. I well, feel even a little bit loose saying it's not bad because I think it's pretty good. <laughs> well, especially if you're nine and three and you're bringing key guys back. You know, and it starts with is the coaching staff coming back, and you got to back it up with is the quarterback coming back, and then you can look at other key impact guys. Yeah, um, but either way, even if you're not, it helps you in recruiting. Oh, absolutely, it does. So right. it's it's never it's never a bad thing. It may not right. be the best thing. It may not be the ultimate goal. But I have a hard time saying if either of these schools or Utah State and uh, put them in that category. If they went and they play eight conference games, but uh, if they went nine and three, yeah, I think that's a pretty doggone good season, man. I mean, we're not Clemson and Alabama or Ohio State over here, uh, and that 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 gives not in my mind nine and three gives you momentum, or it helps you keep momentum pushing forward. And you're probably going to have some guys off that team are going to leave through graduation or NFL or whatever it might be. But as you still have the opportunity to keep momentum going, and that and that's, I think Utah has momentum. I don't really care what happened last season; it was too funky. But I think they have momentum, and if they went nine and three this season, that would continue momentum. And BYU has it, but they don't have it as much as Utah has it. So it's more important for them in terms of the momentum aspect to cash in on this season. To me, the Utes have had enough good seasons now 
that they're more of a proven product. BYU is not as proven. And Utah State, with a coaching change and now three coaches in two years, I don't know what to expect on that. That's not conducive to any form of continuity, which is what you need to have success. And I'm going to allow this Anderson an opportunity to build something, so I'm not going to crack on him uh, too strong this year because he's just brand new coming from Arkansas all the way out to Logan, Utah. So logic dictates to me you got to have some opportunity to develop a program here. Yeah, it wasn't rolling. You're not replacing a coach who left because he got a better job and a lot of things are in place. Right. Clearly, right. there's so, some there's some lifting and building to be done there. Yes, so, and so they, you got to allow them to do it before you make any right. big pronouncements. And now that doesn't mean they go two and nine. I'm not saying that either, but uh, I'm not. If, if 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 Utah State goes six and six, seven and five, uh, you know that you can build some momentum off of that this first season. And then, as I said earlier, I think in the last segment, uh, you do, uh, a program that you're trying to establish or continue, a lot of it is a sales job. What's the perception of your program? Well, clearly, uh, Utah, the perception is very strong under Kyle. A lot of frustration, you know, that they lose receivers, they don't throw the ball like they should, blah, 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 blah. I get all that, and that's, that's all legitimate, but still, the perception of the Utah program is it's very strong. And they are having this opportunity to continue that momentum. BYU, uh, you know, if they can follow this up this season, then I think their momentum can be surging. If they follow up with a very solid season this year off of last year, then, yeah, I'm willing to say that their momentum is surging. Well, Kyle's had a six-year run set aside the pandemic season because you can't average nine wins in a season when you're only playing five games. But he had a six-year run where they basically averaged nine and four. That was the average season over six years, and it's somewhere a little better. You know, they had their eleven-win season, and they had a seven and six too. But that's basically who they've been. So they've got six years of credibility, whereas BYU basically has two exciting years under their belt. And one was still, you know, they they had the big wins, but they just didn't have the consistency. Uh, and then yet, then you know, last year pumped everybody up. So. Now can and they make had it Taysom three years. too. I forgot about Taysom. He's an NFL quarterback. Yeah, you know, uh, and Kalani's first year. As you said, I don't. I don't really consider that a Kalani uh, program produced quarterback. That's what I was going. I didn't name him. I was talking about how you have your that was that was a Bronco produced quarterback. You see what I'm saying there? Yeah. And Zach is a Kalani produced quarterback. You can't argue that. And that's what you can build on. Okay, look, we took this kid here and we made him, or he made himself, but was in concert with each other. He got to the NFL under us. Taysom got to the NFL under Bronco, basically, is the way I see that. Well, Kalani coming in with Taysom, 9-4, and four, and he doesn't really get full credit for it. I mean, it goes on his record. But then you go 4-9, and 7-6, 7-6, 11-1. It's an easy sales pitch to go out and say, we're building something. You just have to go out this year and make sure you have something. <laughs> You're building oh, yeah. something. They, they get nine wins sure this season. Yeah. Their momentum is surging. Because you're going to do a new quarterback. And it wasn't just a Zach Wilson. You didn't, you didn't just uh, lightning struck. And you got this great quarterback who developed, and yeah, you took off, and good on him, but that was something that I don't know that you can plan. If they follow it up with nine wins this coming season, 
with a new quarterback, whoever it is, even though the quarterbacks have all been in the program, it's still a new quarterback in terms of being a full-time starter. That allows you to surge and really put yourself in a great, great position, as, as far as I see it. And, uh, you know, I would love to see them do it. There's only one game that I hope they don't win this year. ASU, game three. Um, no, no. <laughs> Idaho State. I've always been a big sky guy. <laughs> Going back to your lumberjack days. I'm, a, I'm an original big sky guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, other things we talked about this morning, BYU, well, uh, Mark Pope talks about beautiful ugly. It was an ugly game with Pepperdine. If you didn't see it, I can't even discuss how the turnovers, the whistles, the 49 fouls, uh, the lack of flow to the game, the poor shot selection, the 21 turnovers. Uh, we can go on and on about things that are wrong with that game, and there's a long list of them. The things that were right with that game, Mark Pope wanted to emphasize, we won 82-77 in overtime. Heck of a comeback. Uh, down 10, those final uh, six or seven minutes, really strong. The defense that had been really pretty porous. Uh, and Pepperdine had a long dry spell there and uh, was fortunate to hit a shot and get to overtime where BYU controlled overtime and won. So they play Gonzaga tonight, 7 o'clock on ESPN. The 25-0 Zags against a 20-5 and BYU team. Well, I was thinking of this. Uh, is this like uh, U.S. hockey? Do you believe in miracles type thing? If they were to pull this off? Yes, but I don't. And neither do you. And the thing is, okay. it's not for the ultimate prize. It would be cool to take Gonzaga down, but whatever happens tonight, if BYU can find a way to win two tournament games and get to the Sweet 16, and we don't know what the tournament's going to look like. Randy Ray was just giving us the protocol on the Big Sky tournament earlier that, you know, basically they're just going to have to forfeit games and move on. You know, if a team has positive tests, they're going to have to get out of the bubble so that they don't have other teams okay. so at the that tournament. Doesn't that, doesn't that increase the importance of tonight's game? If you win it, it's awesome. You take down the undefeated team. Uh, yeah. But they've beaten really good Gonzaga teams before, and I think we all yeah, think this not, is not the this best team. Gonzaga team, right? Yeah, I, so this I could would be bigger. That this is better. Would you trade a win? Be... Okay, this goes right back to what you said about BYU fans. Would they lose four Pac-12 football games if they got the one win against Utah and snapped the streak? I kind of think they make that trade. But do you want the Sweet 16 more, or do you want to beat Gonzaga? I think you want the Sweet 16 more. Ooh, I don't know about that, especially if Gonzaga goes and wins the whole thing. And, and that's the their only, only blemish. And you beat Gonzaga. You'd be the talk of the town of college basketball. You'd be the talk of college basketball exclusively for three days. But see, would the story be how good BYU is? The story is Gonzaga lost. They're not really made for the tournament. And they just gloss right over BYU. No, I'm saying if they go ahead and win it all, though. That's my whole point. If they go, I just said if they go ahead and win it all. Then that'll be the story, not the fact that BYU beat them. There's 16 teams. Yeah, but okay, from Gonzaga's perspective, but from BYU's perspective, we put the only blemish on the national, uh, the winner Mark, of the tournament. Mark Pope will bring that up in recruiting if that's the way it plays out. That'll be brought up. And look, we've beaten them two years in a row. Look what we did. We gave them their own, and they win it all, which is very much conceivable. And I don't think BYU's going to win tonight, but if they did, and Gonzaga goes on and wins, and uh, they're twenty-five and zero, so that would be thirty-one and one. 
there's if you go to the Sweet 16, there's 16 teams who will accomplish that same feat, but be the only team that beat Gonzaga. Ooh, man, that would be impressive. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Your feedback coming up next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Our good friend Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated. Lay out some expectations for this Jazz team in the second half of the season. I don't see any reason to believe what they did in the first half isn't sustainable. Like everybody else, I'm going to be watching those marquee games, a Laker game at full strength, a Clippers game at full strength, to see how the Jazz measure up. But there's nothing that feels like an aberration there. I have the same expectations in the second half of the Jazz that we saw in the first. I don't expect any kind of crash to earth in the way they're playing. They're a well-constructed, well-coached team with the right kind of players to finish games. I think this Utah team is in a great position to get into the playoffs as the number one, number two seed. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time for your feedback. All the stuff you've been saying about today's show. Greg tweeting at us. Has anyone checked to see if Puka and Samson are at an Iggy somewhere? Hey, oh! I, I don't think Iggy's exists anymore, right? I, I, if there's a location open, I don't know about it. The ones I know, uh, there's one in Midvale that's closed. There's one downtown that's closed. Hey, hey! Let's do it. Yuck! Let's go. You feel pretty good, Yuck? Just got go. Puka, you just got Puka on the line. Let's do it. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Puka Nakua, former Orem High Tiger, Washington Husky, announcing on social media that he wants to go to BYU and play football for the Cougars next season. Puka, good morning. Good morning, man. I don't know, I mean, I don't know if you guys remember, but we met a while back when I was at Orem at the, some award show, and you guys gave me a yes, shout out on, we the, do. on the radio station for sure. And I totally, I mean, I have, my grandma still listens to this radio station. I haven't been out because obviously I've been out here, but <laughs> I'm excited. Puka, that was one of my on. career highlights. Was pre- that was one of my career highlights presenting you with that award. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I remember <laughs> that for sure because I remember I was like, "Hey, I really listen to you guys every morning with my grandma." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we referenced it uh, earlier this morning uh, talking to you, uh, talking to you backstage because that's just a phrase that sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, we were talking backstage. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, Puka. There's a lot of interest. Obviously, there's a lot of interest in you when you were at Orem High making a lot of big plays. And you disappointed everybody by going to Washington. The Ute fans wanted you there. The Cougar fans wanted you there. Now you're coming back to BYU. Take us through this. Obviously, you didn't want to go to the Y right away, or you would have. You wanted to go to Washington. When does it occur to you, maybe I would like to go to the Y? What triggers that? Why do you start thinking that? When do you start thinking that? And where do things go? Um, honestly, just with the year that it's been, with the COVID season and stuff, uh, it was nice. It was nice to be home for the time that it was, and then coming back out with our season and stuff. And then with each conference having its own kind of rules and stuff, it was it was weird to watch some teams play a bunch of games and us not a good lot. And then obviously watching BYU play. I mean, Zach Wilson was my seven on seven quarterback, and I know. I mean, growing up in Provo, I know a good amount of guys on the team. So seeing like the hometown succeed, it, it was it was nice for kids to. 
<laughs> for people to hear about promo and stuff like that. So it was it was definitely exciting to see them ball. But uh, some family issues. Always always want to be close to mama and grandma. So <laughs> uh, being home is there's nothing like it for sure. But it's well, watching the season that the Cougs had last year it definitely made my interest spark more and more. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. We saw Dak Dax Mill go for over 1,000 yards, and just now he's going to enter the draft. And he's a former walk-on. I don't know if you knew him. I know he's uh, buddies with Fajoko, and they're working out here, getting ready for the draft. When you saw that, how much did that play into your factor to uh, want to come to BYU? That was pretty t- That was pretty big, too. I know Dax. Uh, we played against each other in high school, too, when he was at Bingham. Uh, but... It was it was pretty cool to see his success story and his grind and be able to watch him succeed and then just another it's just it was light it was light at the tone knowing that it's, it's possible to be done and I like there the future is bright for the Cougs and they're getting ready to throw the ball. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious, did you tell Samson, hey, I'm thinking about this, how about you do it too? Or was he the one who said, hey, I'm thinking about this, why don't you do it? It seems unlikely to me that you both came to this conclusion independently and were surprised to find the other guy showing up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we did. it wasn't the plan when uh, he got in the portal, but it, as things kind of slowly progressed and it kind of it seemed like the opportunity presented itself for us to play together, which I I avoided in high school by going to Orem, so I I couldn't miss out on this chance again to play with him. It was definitely a once in a lifetime opportunity, and I knew Mama would be happy to wear the same jersey for once. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, how much do you know Aaron Roderick? He's going to be calling the plays, obviously, for BYU. Um, a little bit. Sam, Sam was the Sam was the plug for that one. He, uh, Coach Roderick was there when Sam was at Utah, and he built yeah. a good relationship and really liked him. So, Sam, Sam was that one. And I know Coach uh, Fessy. He was there recruiting me uh, in high school, and uh, I mean, I was in their backyard pretty much. So I, I was around a lot. So, I'm excited to be home and kind of get back into a groove. <laughs> You know, we have talked a lot about the number of high-level Utah high school uh, players who have left the state, and whether it's Oregon or Washington or USC or Stanford, in some cases Alabama and LSU. You were one of the guys who felt the pull to go out of state and, and, and prove yourself and show what you can do. What, what is that? Uh, you've kind of gone into why it's not so important to you so much anymore, but, but what is it that 17- and 18-year-olds want to do that? Um, I think for me, growing, uh, like living in Vegas and then growing up in Utah, I was, I'd seen a different lifestyle, and I th- I felt like I wanted to get away from home to grow up and kind of be on my own and experience, I guess, college in a different way. But <laughs> I, I'm glad I was able to achieve that. But there's nothing like being home and family is always being there. Like the experience and the relationships I made out here in Seattle will last me a lifetime, and I'm forever grateful for them. But I'm excited to be home and spend time with my family and just to be home. There's nothing like home for sure. <laughs> uh, do you know, will you be eligible next season or are you going to have to redshirt? Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that as of right now. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So it doesn't matter to you though, all the other things, the poll, if, if you end up, I'm sure you'd rather not redshirt, but if you end up having a redshirt, you're good with that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's definitely not the plan, but, uh, 
I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it. <laughs> I'll, I'll be home, so I, I'm excited for the future, and I just can't wait. <laughs> I'm ready. To, I'm ready to come home for sure. <laughs> Do you know the quarterbacks at all that you'll uh, that are competing for BYU's job right now? Um, a little bit. I know. I know J- uh, Jared and uh, Jacob. I played uh, with Jacob Conover and the Pondies and Bowl together, and we actually played some basketball when I was back home early in January. But uh, those are the two quarterbacks I know, and I know they got a, the, the Romney brother competing as well. So I know spring yeah. ball is pretty intense right now for them. <laughs> so I'm excited to to learn and to watch everybody, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to get into it. <laughs> So how have you grown or changed as a receiver over these couple of years? Uh, physically, I, I mean, in high school, I wasn't the biggest lifter. I was really worried more about the field work. I was like, I figured if I could work really hard at the field, even if you could hit me pretty hard, I, I'd managed to work around it. <laughs> but definitely got a lot stronger. Uh, in high school, I was probably around 195 pounds. And I think around last season, I was playing around 210 pounds probably around the biggest I've ever been, but also I felt the strongest and fastest. Um, and I can't thank my position coach out here, Coach Adams, a lot. More on the X's and O's side, just truly understanding defenses, alignments, um, coverages, seeing what making the defense so much easier for me to understand and to be able to walk out on the field and be prepared and know what the defense is getting ready to give us so I can execute my game plan and our game plan as effectively as possible. So they're having spring ball now. You obviously aren't going to be there for spring ball. When do you think you will be around the program to work out with the guys, and when will you be officially enrolled in school? Um, I believe the summertime. Yeah, I know, yeah, because they're in spring ball right now, so the summertime would be the most free and – the most grind time, the most exciting time, honestly. <laughs> just to be around everybody and kind of get back into the groove of playing football and get to know all the guys and stuff and just get to work. I know everybody's excited. And BYU's had this this chip on shoulder always for a while, but I know last last season kind of put them on the map and let people know that they're ready. They, they really do want it all, and I'm ready to uphold that and to fight with my boys. <laughs> So one thing when you go to a school like Washington, any Pac-12 school, they'll tell you, hey, come here, we're going to do something special, we're going to go to the Rose Bowl, why would you go to BYU? They can't do that. Is there any, uh, any part of you that think, hey, I'm giving this up, or uh, the pull-at-home is so strong you just don't care? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the pull-at-home is, is too strong. I, I, I really did enjoy and I was blessed to be out here to be at the University of Washington, but... I'm I'm 100% confident in the, in the power and the skill at BYU to get the job done. And I know, I mean, we played some good teams this year already, so it's going to be interesting to see how. I'm just excited for people to see what, what what's in store. I'm wondering, as far as Samson uh, going to BYU, was it a package deal, meaning that if you decided to stay at Washington, he still would have gone to BYU? Or if he would have gone someplace else, you would have still decided to go to BYU. Was that the situation, or was it all or nothing as far as that goes? Um, yeah, we we were kind of coming in as a package deal. Like I said before, I mean, I, I went the opposite way in high school of playing with him. So when he got in the portal and we started talking, I mean, I knew that 
stuff like this doesn't always happen. So I knew I didn't want to miss out on the opportunity to play with him again. So I think the the, the plan was for sure for us to go together wherever we were going to go. Okay. Okay. So the portal is a relatively new thing. There's a lot of stuff, uh, you know, PK and I can kind of figure out how it's going to work because we've seen it work before. I'm curious, when you go into the portal, do you not go in until you pretty well know how things are going to work out? Or did you go into the portal holding your breath thinking, I'm kind of burning this bridge behind me with Washington. I'm not sure what's out there, but I'm going to roll the dice. How was that? Um, well, I'm not, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a little bit of both, honestly. It was, it's kind of scary. And then, um, and then when I got into the portal, um, thinking of the schools that I had in mind, just wondering if they're available or what is their, what are their scholarships looking like or the receiver room as well. And then also like more schools that I, I thought would honestly hit me up, uh, contacted me. And then it, it shifted my mind a little bit, but uh, I, I mean, after being able to talk with my family and uh, some of these coaches, I, I felt right. I felt right with my decision. <laughs> so you talk about your family, and obviously you got a close knit family. One of those family members is an older brother, Kai, who's in the NFL. Obviously played at BYU. How much did you seek counsel from him? <laughs> um, a lot, honestly. He was probably one of our main calls. <laughs> uh, just going through the process that he has in the NFL and obviously going to BYU, uh, he just wants us to succeed and to be able to be part of the journey that he's been on and going to the NFL. And it's always, I mean, it's a blessing to have that perspective and those eyes and ears around us. So it was, I'm grateful for him and the brother and the leadership he shows us. But yeah, he, he was a big part of it. And I know he's probably excited, but I was maybe, I was letting him know that they're not about to retire that 12 because I need it. <laughs> <laughs> that's part of the deal huh? you got to have the 12 yeah <laughs> so i'm i'm curious you said some other schools hit you up how many schools hit you up and uh how big time were they who who was after you um i would probably, i think i had around 15 or 20 schools um schools from the big 12 uh Penn State, I mean, most of the schools in the Pac-12, um, some smaller schools, everybody's always kind of wonder if it's like about grades. <laughs> some smaller schools like Louisiana, like Lafayette, were like, are your grades good? Like, can we get you here? Some stuff like that. So it's, it's a lot of schools, a lot of smaller schools, but some schools out on the East Coast that, I mean, I didn't even, I'd never even come to, in contact with in high school. Well, Puka, you got a lot of BYU fans excited, that is for sure, and now they can't wait to hear, uh, you know, if you're redshirting, if you're going to be eligible right away. So uh, as soon as you know, let us know, because, you know, we hung out with you backstage, dude. <laughs> I will do. <laughs> All right. Puka, it's good to hear from you, and uh, we're excited to see what you can do. As always, uh, I'm not, we were watching you Washington, too, so we were excited to see what you do wherever you were, but uh, it always means a little more when you're a little closer to home. Puka, thanks a lot. We appreciate a few minutes. Yep, you guys have a good one. All right, you too. Puka Nakua, BYU transfer wide receiver from the University of Washington. It sounds like there's still a few details to iron out there, uh, but how many times did he say he can't wait to be home, PK? (laughs) Yeah, probably about 10. Right. If he came in the middle of the interview, he made it clear he's happy to be home. Good for him.
All right, we are out of time. Thanks to Puka for coming on. Thanks to Mark Madsen and Randy Ray, who joined us in the 8 o'clock hour to talk college hoops and March Madness. We'll see you tomorrow from 6 to 10. Scotty and Hands are coming up next. Stay with us.